every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. Happy holidays, everyone, and glad you could join me for this mini episode of Notably Disney. We're taking a bit of a different direction for today in that it is an episode featuring only yours truly as we explore a Disney Pixar animated film that is celebrating a very special anniversary this year. We are, of course, discussing a Bug's Life, which turns 25 this holiday season, and I thought it would be really nice to be able to reflect on this underrated movie that uh, ultimately boasts a fantastic score, made its way into the theme parks, and has still uh, had a, a good legacy uh, in the 25 years since it first debuted. So uh, let's talk about all that and more on this episode. And I think it's first worth starting off with, uh, if that's not a bit redundant with my language, just explaining where A Bug's Life fits within the Pixar uh, pantheon of films. Of course, this was the second theatrical feature from Pixar Animation Studios, debuting only three years after Toy Story, which was, of course, a massive success and really took the... the uh, industry by storm. It was such an innovative film uh, because of its use of computer animation throughout, but also uh, because of its just excellent storytelling. Um, of course, the word story is integral to its title, um, but also uh, really is known for just having such memorable characters and a, a compelling narrative that has stood the test of time. And Pixar certainly had a, a challenge on its hands. How do you follow up with anything that's even half as good as Toy Story? And when when Toy Story debuted, Pixar was uh, underway with uh, their second film being A Bug's Life, uh, certainly a different tone and, and style, whereas uh, Pixar focused on bringing toys to life and their debut feature. Here it was uh, looking at creatures of miniature pr proportions, a uh, 
tagline that was used very frequently in the advertising for this movie. So I think Pixar was quite effective in making insects uh, quite lovable and endearing. And, and that's what was really special about this film is that it really gave folks a glimpse into a world that we never really give much thought about. And of course, there's the Pixar flavor throughout of whimsy and dramatic moments and lovable characters. Um, but what I love about A Bug's Life is that it just has a, a great deal of heart um, and thoughtfulness in, in its narrative and, and also uh, its leading character flick. Um, a Bug's Life has perhaps one of the absolute best voice casts among all Pixar films. I will make that claim. Um, and I'd say it's one of the strongest voice casts of any film under the Disney umbrella in the past 30 years. Uh, it's an ensemble cast that is led by uh, Dave Foley as Flick, who is the central character, but in many ways I would call this an ensemble. Um, Flick is uh, kind of your um, misfit aunt who is an inventor. He wants to make the colony much more effective, and that's where his machine comes in to try to extract seeds, um, which is quite cool and, and clever. Um, Dave Foley brings a, a lot of uh, thought and pluck to Flick, who is kind of an underdog hero, if you will. And um, he is matched by uh, one of the great Pixar villains. There's not many of them that really stand out. Um, but Hopper, uh, as voiced by Kevin Spacey, who of course has uh, experienced his fair share of, of critique and um, really cancellation, if you will, over, over the past several years. Kevin Spacey was at the top of his game um, in the mid to late 90s through uh, garnering an Oscar. Uh, a year later, he would star in American Beauty, uh, among other very popular films. And Kevin Spacey makes a very menacing and um, kind of uh, critical uh, grasshopper that is Hopper. Um, he leads the gang of grasshoppers that aims to try to exploit the ants as much as possible. Um, and he's just a fantastic villain. Um, he has some humorous moments, but there's still just such a scariness that belies him. And, um, and I think he's a, a really nice uh, antithesis to Flick, if you will. Among the other great uh, characters and the voice artists who bring them to life are Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who, of course, we all loved as Elaine on Seinfeld and uh, more recently has been on a number of popular shows, including The Veep and The New Adventures of Old Christine. Uh, again, another person who is at the top of their game in the 90s, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, um, doesn't necessarily have as much of a film presence compared to her TV uh, lineage, if you will, uh, but she adds a lot of fun and uh, a bit of anxiety to Princess Ada, who is, of course, going to uh, ascend to to be the queen, and she's just trying to figure herself out. She's the love interest, of course, and um, she and Flick have a really fun dynamic, and Julia brings a, a good level of fun to her character. Her little sister is Dot, um, who's just absolutely uh, adorable, uh, played by a very young Hayden Panettiere, um, and uh, I, I like the dynamic among Flick, Dot, and Ada quite a lot. The cast is very expansive beyond just the 
uh, four of them, uh, you have all of the circus bugs. Uh, there are so many to mention. You have David Hyde Pierce, one of my absolute favorite actors of all time, who plays Slim, who's the stick bug, um, who uh, is just often very anxious and uh, demonstrates the kind of typical David Hyde Pierce character archetypes of just kind of being just frazzled a lot. Um, a good counterpoint to Dennis Leary, who's uh, Francis, and Francis is the ladybug uh, who uh, everybody thinks is a girl. Um, he ultimately uh, has a really crucial role in leading the Blueberry Scouts. That's uh, Dot's troop of little ants, which is uh, really endearing. And uh, Dennis Leary just uh, is so much fun as Francis. Uh, other circus bugs you have Jonathan Harris as Manny, the praying mantis, uh, who's the husband of Gypsy, a moth, uh, played by Madeline Kahn. Again, these legendary actors uh, lending their voices to characters. Bonnie Hunt played Rosie, the Black Widow spider, um, who, uh, you know, Bonnie Hunt ultimately has been a pretty big force in, in Pixar characters over the years, from uh, Monsters, Inc. to Cars and others. And um, the Toy Story films more recently with Dolly, um, and, and this was Bonnie Hunt's first role for Pixar, and um, and it's it's just a you know amusing character. Um, many of these circus bug characters they may not get a ton of screen time, um, but they are collectively make a, a really good group of characters. Uh, Brad Garrett um, from Everybody Loves Raymond uh, played Dim, who's the rhinoceros beetle. Uh, I, my, my biggest memory of Dim was actually having a little uh, Dim toy uh, that uh, I grew up. Uh, as, I was a young child when Buck's Life came out, and so I had all the toys. And, and Dim was this one where you would kind of uh, open up the, the main part of his frame, and there would be uh, little uh, contraptions inside of him. It was a fun toy. Um, so Dim's a fun character. Um, Oh, how can I forget Tuck and Roll, who are the pill bug performers, who are uh, Hungarian, and they do cannonballs, and they dance, and they just make a lot of weird sounds. They're just there for amusement. And, uh, you know, of course, there's the obligatory uh, potty humor, which they contribute to in, in some ways, and certainly in the outtakes. Uh, lots of great characters. A few others that I have to mention include Heimlich, my, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Pixar characters, Heimlich, is a caterpillar with a German accent who wants to be a butterfly, and that's a gag that they play up throughout the film. He is just uh, a, a lot of amusement, and played by the late Joe Ramft, who is uh, just a legendary force in Pixar animation and storytelling, and uh, had a untimely death um, uh, more than 15 years ago now. Phyllis Diller plays the queen, who's, uh, again, Adam Dot's mom, uh, who uh, belts out a few really uh, clever lines. Uh, Phyllis Diller, of course, the legendary late comedian. Um, and there's uh, some other voice artists in the mix as well in smaller roles. Um, uh, uh, one worth noting, too, is Richard Kind, uh, who's been in now a bunch of Pixar films. He plays Molt, who is Hopper's younger brother who who actually is very well-intentioned but uh, not necessarily the brightest um, the brightest uh, bug if you will 
collectively, these are s such fun characters, and uh, and their voice artists are stellar. And you know, I mentioned a ton of voice artists, but it wouldn't be a Pixar film without John Ratzenberger, who has a small role, uh, small in terms of uh, at runtime, but also in terms of size. He plays P.T. Flea, the flea bug who uh, leads the circus bugs. Um, I'm not sure if I'd call him a villain, but he's definitely not someone we're super rooting for. Uh, so a, a nice tiny role for John Ratzen Ratzenberger there. Um, the plot of A Bug's Life is just so en endearing and very familiar. It's uh, about kind of these underdogs. Here you have these group of ants who have been exploited by the grasshoppers, and Flick tries to come up with a plan to uh, save the colony, if you will, and that's where he enlists all those aforementioned circus bugs to help him out. There's a whole uh, charade about them being warrior bugs, and although not everything works out in Flick's favor, and he's kind of uh, revealed to be um, uh, duping the colony, um, everything prevails in the end. Uh, this is a brisk and enjoyable hour and a half film, and it's one that not everybody saw in theaters in the same way that Toy Story received so much attention, but it still was a, a good performer at the box office. In fact, worldwide it made $360 million, uh, which is uh, not bad uh, worldwide, uh, especially when we're thinking about 25 years ago. Um, if we were to um, think about inflation, um, it, you know, that's qu quite a lot today, and, and most films would be happy um, to make that amount in terms of the equivalent. Domestically, it wasn't necessarily the huge hit that Toy Story was, but it made a very respectable 162.8 million. So less than Toy Story, which was closer to the $200 million mark domestically, but um, but still a, a solid performer for the holiday season. And of course, A Bug's Life debuted uh, shortly thereafter DreamWorks Animation's very first uh, theatrical film, Ants, which is the Woody Allen flick that has a, a much more adult, sarcastic um, tone, a bit more dramatic in some ways. Um, Ants, though, as uh, fun as and clever as it is, um, was not necessarily the huge hit that A Bug's Life was. Um, Ants was definitely more of that sophisticated um, adult humor in animation that we were, really weren't seeing um, surface in the same way that uh, would really be uh, the case come Shrek a few years later. So by the early 2000s, people were familiar with DreamWorks being a bit edgier, a bit more for the adults, um, but still having uh, that family entertainment vibe, uh, whereas Pixar uh, has always really held that tradition of, yes, very much appealing to adults and sometimes even being more geared for adults than children, but not necessarily being too edgy um, or overly sophisticated in ways that might turn off younger viewers. Although one could argue that uh, Elemental, for instance, is uh, much more for adults than children. So A Bug's Life was a solid performer. It, um, it was a um, well-regarded film uh, when it debuted, uh, achieving a 92% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, um, not necessarily as beloved as Toy Story, but still um, quite well received, and, and that contributed to it garnering a lot of praise uh, from top critics. Um, so 
ultimately it was was a hit. And what's fascinating in thinking about A Bug's Life is that it's one of the few Disney films or Pixar films to actually have a theme park presence prior to the movie debuting. Yes, Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park, which arrived in Walt Disney World in April 1998, uh, featured It's Tough to Be a Bug, which included Flick and Hopper as audio animatronic characters. That show, again, debuting seven months before A Bug's Life. So it was a little preview or taste of the characters prior to the movie, which is just uh, very inconsistent with uh, typical trends in in Disney uh, with usually the film has to be a big hit and then they want to bring into theme parks. But that is what happened in terms of A Bug's Life becoming a bug's land at Disney California Adventure Park. Uh, After all, that uh, new second theme park adjacent to Disneyland was not a hit instantly. In fact, uh, much of the criticism stemmed from that there was a lack of attractions. So what is Disney about to do? Well, uh, shortly after uh, the park opens with It's Tough to Be a Bug, no less, because why not replicate a popular attraction? Uh, Disney uh, broke ground uh, right behind that uh, that uh, attraction to build a bug's land, which was uh, right behind that little farm area of the park. And there you go. Now you had a fixed bug's life presence at Disney California Adventure. In fact, it existed for 16 years with a bunch of smaller attractions for the little ones because, again, the park was not necessarily known for its uh, family-friendly rides, but rather a lot of thrills uh, from the California Screamin' to Grizzly River Run. Uh, a bunch of those on, uh, in Paradise Pier at the time were uh, not necessarily geared for the little ones. So a Bugs Land would uh, take that place. Uh, a lot of kind of standard um, carnival type attractions, but skinned uh, or reskinned with a Pixar flyer. So you had Flex Flyers, which is um, just kind of a spinner ride where you board little uh, uh, food boxes, if you will, food containers, um, and they spin around. Um, very cute, uh, nothing significant, very short. Um, Francis, Francis's Ladybug Boogie is very much a teacups uh, iteration, but you're boarding Francis, because uh, that makes perfect sense. Uh, the tuck and, tuck and rolls drive and buggies uh, is one of the few uh, instances of bumper cars um, in Disney theme parks. Uh, so you would board uh, tuck or roll, uh, but it definitely wasn't beneficial if you're taller to be able to fit into one of those buggies. And uh, the Princess Dot Puddle Park, uh, just a little uh, little, uh, park area with um, uh, fountains and uh, an oversized garden hose that would spray guests. Um, So, I mean, that was just for uh, kids who needed to cool down. Uh, The highlight attraction, if you will, in the Little Bugs Land was Heimlich's Choo Choo Train, in which you would board Heimlich. uh, Very much a choo choo train, but emphasis on the Chew, chew, uh, homonym. It's chew as in chewing food. So it focuses on Heimlich chewing through food, everything from a watermelon to uh, passing by candy corn and animal crackers. Um, 
the longest of the rides, really, at uh, just over two minutes. Uh, so not, not very much, but um, it was a super, super endearing with Joe Ramp's uh, narration and uh, just some fun sight gags. So all these were very small in scale, uh, and appropriately so because you are shrunk down to the size of a bug. Uh, you are enveloped uh, in uh, being under uh, blades of uh, grass and uh, there's a four-leaf clover. Um, it's just, a, it was a really special little environment. The bathrooms were inside a big tissue box. Um, it was really cute. And of course, the Bugs Land uh, saw its final days about five years ago as construction broke for Avengers Campus. So uh, we actually don't see any of a Bugs Land or It's Tough to Be a Bug anymore. Uh, it's Tough to Be a Bug, that area soon becoming uh, the space for the Web Slingers a Spider-Man adventure. So uh, it's too bad that we don't have any more Bugs Land or Bugs Life uh, at California Adventure, but it, it did the job. Um, it really brought in younger guests. It, it created a nice space for all of them. And um, and it's worth noting that uh, there's a little piece of Bugs Life in the park uh, through the World of Color show where Heimlich uh, has made an appearance. And, uh, and a Bugs Life has manifested in other spaces as well. Uh, it had a very popular video game upon its debut that uh, was on the PlayStation and uh, the N64 Game, Bo uh, game Boy Color. So uh, there was a lot of merchandise for a Bugs Life. Uh, I think Disney learned its lesson after Toy Story that they needed a lot more merchandise. So uh, you could find a lot of Bugs Life products its home video release was super popular and a, a very fun one at that because each of the VHS covers, you could have one of five different characters adorning the cover. So you could pick Flick, Dot, Hopper, Heimlich, and uh, Francis, if I remember correctly. I had, Fran I, I had Heimlich uh, because he was my favorite. Uh, it was also one of the early... Uh, big DVDs. DVDs were um, kind of surfacing come 1999. And uh, and so, yeah, it had a very popular home release. The film, I, I mentioned, was well regarded by critics. Um, and it also garnered some important nominations, including an Oscar nomination for, uh, for, for the Best Original Score, same for uh, obtaining a Golden Globe nomination they're a Grammy nomination for Best Instrumental Composition. So I think it's worth uh, attending to the score for just a few minutes. Uh, Randy Newman, he came back. Uh, Randy Newman, of course, having scored Toy Story and uh, uh, such a beloved movie and score at that. Uh, a few years prior, he also composed uh, the really uh, fun James and the Giant Peach uh, this was a really good time for Randy Newman. He also scored Pleasantville in 1998, one of my uh, favorite movies and uh, and one of the best scores that he's produced, uh, which was uh, a very much a, a love letter to the 1950s and, and also being just very uh, sentimental in tone. And uh, Bug's Life is one where uh, there's some elements of Toy Story in terms of the score, but ultimately it has a different vibe. Um, there's a very heavy uh, integration of jazz music here, which you would see uh, reappear 
in Monsters, Inc. just a few years later. Um, it's also just a wonderful orchestral score um, with um, just a, a lot of motion and uh, intensity, particularly in the moments with the grasshoppers and their uh, invasion of the ant colony. Um, but there's also a certain sensibility and likability to the score um, in its quiet moments, particularly with Flick's theme, which is kind of just uh, almost like he's uh, dawdling and just kind of navigating the world as a plucky little ant. Um, and his world becomes a lot bigger when he enters the city, which is uh, perhaps the best uh, known and uh, strongest track in the score. Uh, which is where he uh, he enters his own little version of Times Square, if you will, and it's the da 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 and, and yeah, I'm not obviously uh, performing it well with my little humming, but it's so uh, fun and bombastic and exciting and really captures that notion of the uh, kind of uh, country boy entering the big town and and figuring out, okay, how do I navigate this new space? Uh, Flick's theme uh, reappears across the film. Um, there's uh, an intensity with the Red Alert track uh, in which the ants uh, kind of head underground because they know the grasshoppers are coming. It's a lovely score, one that a lot of people actually um, enjoy. Um, if you've read any uh, reviews uh, online, um, most posted, of course, around the time of the film's release. Uh, but folks can recognize that this is a great Newman score um, where it, there's some signature elements in terms of some of his jazz and, and uh, you know, a little bit of ragtime, um, uh, kind of subtly, um, but there's just an effervescence to it, and it's uh, really uh, exhilarating and joyous. I, I love it. Clearly I'm a, a fan and it's one that I return to quite often. Uh, much like Monsters, Inc. Uh, I would say um, those in, in concert with Toy Story uh, are his three best uh, Disney Pixar uh, productions, but then I also think about, oh, I love Princess and the Frog. I love James and the Giant Peach. He, he has had such a significant presence in the world of Disney and Pixar films. Uh, Rainey Newman, of course, is a great singer-songwriter and um, has delivered a, a bunch of great tunes over many decades. I would argue, though, his scores may even be better than his songs. And uh, he's contributed maybe about 30 films, uh, 30 scores over several decades. And while perhaps Newman is toward the end of his career, uh, it's such a gift that we've been able to receive s so many of these scores that are closely tethered to the Pixar films that they are uh, enveloped in. Um, if I, you know, on, on the recent episode, uh, Greg Lasko, the author, was talking about how much, uh, actually Greg Lasko and uh, Catherine Mayer were talking about how much they love the Monsters, Inc. theme. And um, uh, and I think it's it's so recognizable, the, the door, uh, the opening with the animated doors and, um, he, Newman has a special touch in terms of being able to add such uh, excitement and spirit to scores, and, and a few of his themes really stand out. The Monsters, Inc. one, of course, is, I think, perhaps his best in the world of Pixar, but his flick theme is um, much more subtle and 
um, kind of reflective, if you will, uh, and I think it's almost as strong. Um, it's worth revisiting. So I'm I'm definitely a fan there, and I, I really encourage listeners to go back to the full Bugs Life score. I'd say this is, uh, you know, there are a bunch of scores in Disney films that, that I enjoy, but often only singular tracks really make it work. Um, I, I, I would probably uh, be canceled if I shared that there are a few uh, Disney Pixar s- scores that people absolutely love and I would say are a bit overrated um, by virtue of a few tracks, but I'd say A Bug's Life is consistently a very strong uh, score, one that uh, is worth listening to on its own and in concert with in the film. And and this is also a, an encouragement to all of you. If you have not checked out A Bug's Life in a while, um, this is a good opportunity to do it. it um, it's, again, the 25th anniversary. There's a lot that you might not remember that is actually quite smart and clever in the film. Um, the outtakes that they added uh, several weeks after the uh, original release uh, as, a, as a mechanism to bring fo- more folks back to the theater uh, is really fun. Woody makes a cameo. There's a lot of fun gags, and um, and it was Pixar's first introduction, uh, or Pixar's introduction, if you will, of having uh, original content that uh, they incorporated at the end of the film um, for for viewers' enjoyment to again bring back uh, more of those repeat uh, viewings. So we saw that again with Toy Story 2 and Monsters Inc. Um, I, I wish it had continued uh, more beyond that, but. Um, it was it was a nice uh, nice thing that they they decided to throw in because that's definitely uh, several minutes of additional footage that, as you know, with animation can take uh, years to develop uh, any of these individual films. So all that to say, a bug's life, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's a wonderful movie that you should go back to. Uh, maybe you've never watched it. It's uh, it perhaps doesn't reach the uh, the significance, the cultural significance of a to- of Toy Story, or the perhaps the sadness of an Up, or the maturity of Inside Out or Elemental, um, but A Buck's Life is generally overlooked. I'd say it's um, definitely in my top third of all Pixar films. I absolutely love A Buck's Life. I think having grown up with it and watching it a ton as a child certainly elevated my adoration toward it, but it's a great movie. So check out A Bug's Life, and hope you enjoyed this little uh, reflection of a movie that doesn't get its due. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at Reports. that's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports, and be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.